Hey friends, welcome to the What About Outtakes podcast, something like that. We're here um, with uh, Pastor Josh Scott, who is the pastor of Grace Point Church here in Nashville. My name is Derek Webb. I'm the director of curation and content at Grace Point Church. And uh, we're here to give some quick answers, if possible, to some questions, to some important questions. Uh, what About is a series that Josh uh, has done. It was crazy uh, popular. And uh, if you've not caught that, head right over to YouTube and watch some of those sermons. They were incredible, really, really good. Got a lot of good response, a lot of additional questions coming in as a response to that series. And uh, in fact, more What About uh, sermons coming, I think. Is that right? Yeah, starting July 3rd. There we go. We'll have a new series, What About 2.0? 2.0. 2. We're going to take it to the next level. Yeah, it'll run till at least mid-September. Nice, yeah. nice. And so we thought, since there are other questions that come in either on social media or um, on the Facebook group or places like that, we thought it would be a good idea to try to take some quick shots, for Josh to take some quick shots, at some of the questions that were either left over or came in other ways or things that maybe Josh addresses on social media that don't get the longer treatment that you might want. And, um, and you can always, anytime, head to Grace Point's, uh, any of Grace Point's social media accounts, or Josh's for that matter, um, and put up questions for future What About Outtake uh, episodes, and uh, Josh will speak to those things. And so uh, for today, here's the question. <laughs> And welcome, Josh. How's it going? So good to be here. Good. Um, okay. So the real challenge for you is going to be, can you do, the, can you do these in five or 10 minutes? Probably not. We'll, we'll see. We're going to try yeah. really hard. We're going to do your best. Um, okay. So having grown up, this is absolutely a question I resonate with. Um, having grown up with the Bible as the inspired and errant word of God, um, how do I think in a progressive way about my faith without breaking up with the Bible? Yeah, I think that's something I struggled with. It's something I, when I talk to people, whether it's in Grace, you know, in Grace Point or just anywhere I go, anybody I talk to, this is one of those things that comes up. Like, mm -hmm. what do we do with the Bible when your faith shifts and you no longer believe it's inerrant and infallible that you know it fell out of the sky or that God dictated it or it's the Word of God and all that? Like, what do you do with the Bible? Is there still a place for it? And I think that some of us have been kind of led to believe, and it often comes through conversation with our, you know, more conservative mm. Christian counterparts, that you either have to see the Bible this way, mm. or you don't get it at all. Right. And I am here to tell you, they don't get to decide that for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's not up to them. Um, and I do think there is a way to understand the Bible that allows us to take it with us and to take it with us in less toxic ways. Mm. Because so many of us were taught that if it's in the Bible, it's just true and you have to affirm it. Mm. But there are lots of things in the Bible that nobody should want to affirm, <laughs> right? There, there, are some, there are some things in the Bible that if you end up saying, yeah, I'm good with that, then you're signing up for genocide yeah. or you're signing up for um, the mistreatment of human beings, whether they are you know, women or you're signing up to be pro-slavery or you're signing mm. up to be pro-patriarchy or you're yeah. signing up to be... So I think there are ways of coming to the Bible and saying, which in a sermon, not too, maybe, I don't know when this is coming out, but a few mm. weeks ago, uh, I read a text from Second Thessalonians, which is kind of a late letter. It's written in Paul's name, but scholars mm. pretty much universally will, universally and 
the non-conservative scholarship world, right? I guess I should say that. We'll say, you know, that was written 100% late. of 30% of people. <laughs> 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> every time. Um, and we'll say that, that this was written, you know, decades after Paul's life. Mm. But there's a line in there that says, if a person doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. And in that sermon, I just said, I disagree with Second Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should get to eat regardless of the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to have a, a, a relationship with the Bible that says, this is a collection of experience, wisdom, questions, because some of the, some of the Bible really is just trying to speak to questions, like the book of Job, which is trying to respond to why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have like the book of Proverbs. They're both doing it and they come up with different answers, right? Proverbs is, you know, if, you, if you're a good person and you live a good life, then things will go your way. Mm-hmm. And then Job enters the chat and says, actually, <laughs> right. um, sometimes you can do all the right things and life still ends up giving you a, a raw deal. Yep. And then you have the book of Ecclesiastes, which is just like, it's just all a bummer anyway. Right. Right. So it's this conversation. It's asking questions. Um, and it's a gift to us in that we can see their journey, see their experiences, see what worked, see what didn't work, see where they left off. Because mm. this, I think the assumption is, well, we have this canon of scripture. Mm. It's all final and done. Everything's been answered. Our job is just to repeat mm. the questions and answers. And actually, we're just getting a snapshot in time. Because men before us, uh, exclusively men, actually, uh, unfortunately, before us did exactly this. Um, even in the, it seems as though, I mean, even in the centuries just right after the, you know, in the first few centuries um, uh, after the first, there were a lot of folks who were making decisions like this, saying some of this maybe doesn't belong. And I, and I think that stepping out of the tradition where we can have a meaningful say in what does and doesn't belong. And as though that, those times are just over now. And those were special men. And we're not like those people. But I think we could be like those people. I think that's, and I, that's a very liberating and helpful way for me to think about it, that I can go critically to it and say, um, because I'm sure you've encountered a lot of people who will say, like, I wish... To my, to my non-believing friends or whatever, I wish that I could say that this behavior or this choice or this whatever was okay, but I, unfortunately, I just, what am I supposed to do? You know, that's, that's what the Bible says, and, and I wish I could tell you different, and I'm going to make all these apologies on God's behalf or the Bible's behalf, and it's like, or we could just say, we disagree with that, and that could yeah. be okay too. And that's like incredible, that's, that was mind-blowing when, when I uh, heard you give that exact sermon. I was like, Yeah, incredible. and you know, especially recording this during Pride Month, where lots of people use the Bible to bash LGBTQ plus yes. people. And they will say just that thing. Well, you know, I wish, but the Bible says. Making apologies, like as though we're more loving and compassionate than God is <laughs> yeah. somehow. I would, be, I, would, I would affirm you, but God says I can't. Mm. And here's the thing. Um, there was a point in my journey, and there's a point in most of our journeys when we're coming back to the Bible, that I need the Bible to end up, I need to be able to read the Bible differently to affirm that, right? So I need to be able to read those quote unquote clobber passages differently mm-hmm. to make them. I'm, I'm at a point now where I can just say, um, actually, I don't think the, what the Bible's talking about is talking about what we're talking about when we talk about LGBTQ plus folks. Right. right. Um, but even if it is, I disagree. I, I think that the loving, compassionate, I, I think that human beings are who God made them to be. Mm. And so it is my joy to, to be able to say, no, you're, you're affirmed, you're beloved, you're embraced. 
Um, and so I think being able to argue, and that's the, the Bible argues with the Bible. Hmm. Just to give you another example is you have these reforms uh, by Ezra and Nehemiah after the exile. They come back, they're trying to reestablish themselves as a people. And so we, we need really clear boundaries of who, who, who us is hmm. and who we aren't, who, who's not a part of the us. Yep. And so that's when things like circumcision, that's when dietary laws become a really big deal. And there's this movement for all of these uh, you know, Jewish folks, men who have married foreign wives mm-hmm. and had children with them to divorce those wives and send them and their children away. And that's the command in Ezra and Nehemiah. That's what you must do. And then you have the book of Ruth, which is set during the period of Judges, but scholars think was written actually in response to the Ezra and Nehemiah reforms. Mm. And in the book of Ruth, you have a Moabite woman who ends up playing the hero, rescuing an Israelite family, an Israelite widow. And she ends up being like the great-grandmother of King David, who's the greatest king in the history of Mm -hmm. The nation, and so it's almost like the Book of Ruth is saying, "Okay, you can you can take that route, and you can send away all the people who aren't like us. But if you do that, and if we'd done that back then, you know, quote unquote, back then, then we wouldn't have King David. And so the Bible is pushing mm-hmm. back on the Bible, and that's why I think it's dangerous to read it as a monolith. Like it's mm-hmm. mono, it's it's monovocal. It's only saying one thing. It's actually multivocal. It's saying lots of things, and then we are left to decide and discern as people in community." What is the best way to live? Mm. What, is, what leads towards human flourishing? That's it. What do we, um, in the language of uh, Jesus, um, binding and loosing, what are we going to hold on to? What are we going to be bound to? And what are we, we going to let go of? Because mm. that's the work. And I think for some people, that's scary work because their frame for God is that if we don't get all this right, God's going to be very angry with us mm. and we're going to be you know, in big trouble in the afterlife. You're not. You're fine. And so you actually now get to, it's, a, it's like trying to create art with the pressure of I have to, this has to be perfect and I have to sell it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to there's something in me that needs to come out. I need to get this out of me. I need to create this, paint this, write this, you know, create music for this. I need to do mm-hmm. a thing. And then what happens with it? That is out of my control. Right. I just need to make the thing. Right. And I think that's what being a part of this tradition is. It's saying, look, we, we get to creatively engage with our past mm. um, at times holding on to things, but at times letting go of things to create a better future. And mm. so that's why for me, I'm not letting go of the Bible. I'm standing as a critic to parts of the Bible. Um, of course, I'm, I'm saying that there are parts that we need to, yes, uh, we need to be aware of them. Which seems to be a longstanding tradition. But we don't need to be, have our movements and our behaviors and our um, interpretation dictated by them. Mm. Uh, because again, you can follow the Bible word for word, and the world you end up with is not a world I think that we want to live in. But that's mm. true for any human product, right? And the Bible is a human product. I remember hearing say Bart Ehrman say once, "The Bible may be divinely inspired, but it's got human fingerprints all over mm-hmm. it." And so, understanding that that what we're seeing in, in, throughout the pages of the Bible is about you know a couple three thousand years of human evolution. And understanding of God, understanding of scripture, and the understanding of what all this is. Mm. And so, of course, the opinions change. They should. People are growing. Um, and I think sometimes we hold on to a really narrow understanding of the Bible. So it, it, is an, and it ends up being an abdication of responsibility mm. to grow and take this human project further. Mm. 
Uh, and I keep saying human, not Christian or not whatever, because I think that if it really is good and true, then it transcends the tradition and it pulls us forward as a species. Mm. Um, and I think that's true for every religious tradition, right? The, the, the best parts of it transcend and invite us to become better as a species. And so I want to find those things within our tradition, my tradition, the Christian tradition, and say, how do we bring those things out, share them with the world, not in a, uh, a colonial, uh, colonizing way, mm. not in a way that says you have to be like me, but in a way that says there, there's like there's some stuff in here that might be good for our species and might help us move forward. And there's some stuff that we, we, we look at in a museum to understand it, but we don't bring it with us. Mm.